0: Good afternoon, Hope Church family. You guys doing well? Um, I am Missionary Mike. I'm here to report on Myanmar and the marvelous things God's doing amongst mankind. That's the title of my sermon. Missionary Mike uh, on the marvelous things God's doing on mankind around the world. Amen. Um, gosh, Asher is so cute. Did you say his birthday was June 12th? So cool. I was just thinking while we're um, sitting here, I really believe that he's going to be a builder. And um, I just think you said, just while you're sharing, I just felt like Lord gave me a little bit of revelation and um, you said you had three miscarriages and then he's born on 612. I think there's going to be a multiplication of what he does, 3612, and it's going to go He's going to multiply kingdom things. And there's three Daniels. Prophets are always brought in. What did I do wrong? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Slum, I was given this really great word. Gosh. Um, uh, Nope, it's still there. Um, But I do. There's uh, three, the prophets were always. Uh, always came and brought words to builders, kings and builders. Um, and I think, uh, you know, even Asher is one of the original 12 tribes, a builder of God's people. So I, I just, um, I think it's so important, the commitment you guys made today to raise them in godliness. Because uh, builders can be strong-willed. <laughs> so, um, cool. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to report And um, share very um, briefly. I don't even really have a um, a full like a sermon. I'm just going to report. I want to build some faith this morning, and uh, and then we'll call it good. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're with us. We I just want to thank you for this house, God. Thank you for the Hope Church family, for who they are to Anna and I. And we ask God that your blessing would pour out upon them, that they would be swept up into the coming move of God that is already in action here and around the world. We just say, God, we believe you, and I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would open the ears of our hearts, that we would see and we would hear what it is that you, Spirit of God, are doing in the earth in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. Well, for those of you who don't know, um, Pastor Q is my father-in-law. So I come back here regularly. I feel like I get to come here and um, be with you guys uh, regularly. And part of the reason is because uh, I'll be persecuted if I don't bring the grandkids back. So... um, so we are, we're here, we're so blessed by uh, you guys and, um, and by this Hope Church family. Um, so this morning I will, I'm going to just tell you guys stories and I want to really give you guys some context for what God's doing around the world because I think sometimes we can, um, and, and it's no fault of an individual, but we can, uh, like our, our vision can become narrowed, you know, where we're just doing what we do and we go to work, we, whatever, we're in school, we do what we do, and then um, our, our vision becomes a little narrowed, and we just are like, what is God doing? <laughs> well, what is he doing in our world? Like, where is this glorious kingdom that Jesus promised us 2,000 years ago? And my report for you guys this morning really is this, Jesus is winning. He is winning all over the world, and I want you guys to be deeply encouraged by the fact that we collectively as the global church are the body of Christ. And that Jesus is using his church globally as the vehicle to bring Jesus to the nations. That it is the zeal of the Lord that is going to build his house on the earth. Otherwise, we as laborers, we just labor in vain. And, um, and he is doing it. Amen? Okay, so um, I want to share with you guys. My family and I just got back from Myanmar or Burma. Um, in Southeast Asia. It's next door to Thailand. And um, it is really spectacular what God's doing. I came and I reported about a year ago. Um, and I just wanted to fill in some of the gaps and then give you actually a little bit of a bigger picture view of what I believe God is doing um, in our time, at least a piece of it, okay? Um, so, but we'll start, we'll start here with Myanmar. So I went for the first time uh, to... Myanmar in uh, May, April of last year, and we were running a campaign, an open-air evangelistic campaign up in this mountain region, okay? Before we left, my friends and I were in a lot of prayer, praying for God to move in these events, because they're certainly not church services. Um, We do them in the open air. It's uh, 90%, this last one we did was probably 90% Buddhist. Um, so people don't really know how to act. Some people are a little hostile. Um, we had people at different ones of our events like ripping up the Gospels of Mark that we gave them, and we're like, "Oh, <laughs> we still love you, you know." Um, but it, 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 certain people would come and they'd hear the music, and they'd come up to the front and they'd be dancing totally drunk, like it, trying to get on stage. And we're like, "Have security! Like, no, you can't go up there, you know." Like it was, it was, um, it was awesome. We were, um, we were among, truly amongst the lost. And, um, but before we went in April of last year, um, we were praying in Kona, and we really felt like the Lord said, I'm going to bring an open heaven to the nation, and you guys are going to step into something that's far greater than you. And we've seen that in so many different categories come to be. But as he spoke that to us, we had um, different ones on our team have impressions, scriptures, Given to them. So my, my buddy Suno, he was given the scripture out of Genesis 28, verses 12 through 14. It talks about Jacob's ladder. He dreams. There's a ladder from heaven, angels ascending and descending from heaven. Jesus sitting uh, standing at the at the top of the ladder. Um, and then uh, I have this scripture, Psalm 127:1, which is, "Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain." Um, our other buddy Seth. Gets the scripture, Joshua 3.5, which is, Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow I'll do mighty things in your midst. And then throughout those months, we are constantly praying Zechariah 4 6, which is not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, by my spirit declares the Lord. I'll do these things. So, um, so we're praying this over the nation consistently from Hawaii. We arrive in Myanmar, we fly into the capital, or rather it's the economic capital, by far the largest city, but they just moved the capital recently. So Yangon, we flew in, um, and then we take an internal flight way up north, uh, and then we get there and we get on a bus, or little vans, and we go seven hours on dirt roads up into the mountains to where we're going to do this campaign in these villages. And um, when we get to the second internal flight, we meet up with one of our good friends. Yes, can you guys see this? I love it. Okay, this guy right here in the middle, his name is Do. Um, He is a uh, Burmese refugee. He was a part of the student uprising movement in 2007. Military started killing college students. His dad smuggled him out of the country. He was then put in jail in um, Kuala Lumpur for preaching the gospel. The UN caught wind of it, gave him asylum in Tulsa, where he was for 11 years, he experienced a revival of all-night prayer meetings, three months straight, held in his living room with, with a youth group. And God began to visit them with these wild dreams and visions of, of Myanmar and the transformation that was coming. That led him into ultimately into YWAM, um, and he's been a catalyst for all of the work that we've been doing there um, in Myanmar. So when we arrive in Calais, which is the city up north, Doe tells us, last night I had a dream before you guys got here. And in the dream, I was rolled up on this super old bridge. I'm with my family. I'm in a car. And I know that I need to cross the bridge. But all the locals are telling me, do not cross the bridge. It's going to break. It won't hold you. It's never going to work. Like, it's too old of a bridge. Don't do it. But he, in his dream, he knows I have to cross this bridge. So he literally, he's in his car with his family. He drives across the bridge. As he gets to the other side, he looks in his rearview mirror and the bridge becomes brand new. And God speaks to him uh, about, um, essentially about him being a connector to the global and specifically the Western church. And that there would be a bridging and that God was going to use it to transform Myanmar. So we are now four hours. We've flown to Yangon a day and a half from Kona, flown up to Calais, got on these buses. We're now four, mile, uh, four hours up into the mountains on these dirt roads where it was terrifying. There was different spots I literally thought. I was like, this, w- like there's, road slide, there's landslides everywhere. And I'm like, at any moment, these roads can just slip <laughs> off of this cliff. But we're in the middle of nowhere, And we just decide to stop, and we're going to take some photos. We pull off the side of the road, and we see this bridge right here. And as we look at it, we're kind of joking with Doe, and we're like, hey, it's your bridge from the dream. And he's like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. And as we're looking at it, we notice, and you still can't really see up here, we notice all these numbers. Of course, it's in Burmese, so we can't read it. But we're looking at that, and we're like, those numbers look super familiar. So we ask Doe, what do those numbers say? He looks at it, he goes, oh. That says Jeremiah 28, 12 through 14, Joshua 3, 5, uh, Zechariah 4, 6, Psalm 127, 1. It's the exact scriptures and verses that we've been praying for their nation for months. Then we ask Doe and we say, Have you, I said, is it normal in a country like this that's been run by a communist military dictatorship with heavy religious persecution? To have bridges with Bible verses on it? He goes, no, I've never seen one like that before. So as we're sitting there, like, taking photos, like, this is absolutely amazing. It's the exact verses that God had given us in prayer as a promise of what's to come in the nation while we're on our way to the events, right? We're standing there kind of blown away. This guy comes out of nowhere on a motorbike, right? And there's, like, six foreigners standing there. And so he just stops and is watching us all by himself. Like, there's no, we're in the middle of nowhere, like... <laughs> And uh, so Doe walks over to him, starts talking to him. A few minutes later, he comes back. He says, you won't believe this. He goes, this guy just got word that the government has approved to tear this bridge down. They're going to pay to rebuild it brand new. Next time we see it, we'll see it brand new. And we knew that this was a promise of God that he is going to move in wild ways in that country. So we got in Doe's car and we drove across the bridge. We're just praying and prophesying all the scriptures and everything. We drove across, of course, it's not where we need to go because this is just some like random little island. So then we turn around and we drive back and the, the locals are like, we don't remember the last time a car went across that bridge, it's like that was dangerous. We're like, yeah, it was in the dream, we'll be fine, you know. Like, so you know, we, we take off and, um, and head to our event where God moves in mighty, mighty ways. One of the most significant things that I shared last time I was here is how I'd never seen God move amongst children like that. So when I got home, the way I saw, they would come to the front of the altar, eight, ten years old, just weeping before the Lord for 30 minutes to an hour. Just there in tears before the Lord. God's giving them visions. I remember leaving and telling Anna, after being back for a little bit, um, I want to take our whole family. I want to put our kids in the midst of what God's doing. And one of the reasons that I want them to see Jesus' passion and his mission to reach the world. I want them to experience it because I've never seen what I'm, what I'm seeing here, right? So a few months, a couple months before we leave, um, there's this amazing thing that happens and eternity gives her life to Jesus. She's five and a half years old, um, has a real understanding of sin. She gets on her knees and gives her life to Jesus. And she can't, As soon as she gives her life to Jesus, she can't stop laughing for like 10, 15 minutes just laughing, and we're just kind of watching her, like, she's, like, sitting on my lap, just, ah, and I'm, like, what's so funny? She's, like, I don't know, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we do that, and then um, we go on this trip. Our whole family goes together. We leave about five weeks early, um, before Christmas, this last December, um, to help set everything up. Well, we're four weeks into our trip, a week before 270 missionaries are going to arrive, um, and... Uh, and my son um, is laying in the hotel room out in kind of the living room area crying. It's bedtime. So I leave him for a little bit, you know, hoping he'll sleep. Ten minutes later, it's just getting worse. So I go in, and I'm like, "What? what's up, bud? And he, he's holding his stuffing on his chest. He's got his eyes closed like this. And he's like, I'm scared. And I said, scared of what? And he goes, last night I had a nightmare, and I'm afraid if I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to have another nightmare. And I was like, oh. So I was like, Zaves, do you... I was like, have you prayed? And he said, I have prayed. And I go, uh, and I said, well, did Jesus speak to you? He goes, yes, he did. And I was like, well, what did he say? He says, he said he'd help me. And I went, well, there you go. And he looks at me, he goes, but it's not working because I just feel scared. And so I'm like, oh. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pray for you that you're going to have courage and then you're going to go to sleep, okay? So I get down on the floor in the living room of this hotel room, I start praying for him just for courage and courage. He interrupts my prayer. He says, no, Appa, you need to pray for my heart. And I went, what do you mean? He says, I know my heart's broken because it only feels scared. And I know only Jesus can fix it. I literally like chills went through me. I went, what do you mean? He goes, I need you to pray that Jesus will come into my heart and fix it so it doesn't feel just scared. And I was like, I picked him up. I was like, Tell him I this, you know? <laughs> I like brought, her, brought him into the room. And he explained, he's three and a half. He's three and a half. It was like one of the most articulate conversations I've ever had with him, you know? And he t- looks at Anna and he goes, he, he, said, I, he says, um, I know that my heart's broken and only Jesus can fix it because all it feels is scared and I know he's the only one that can heal it. We led him in a prayer to invite Jesus into his heart. And we get done. We say, Amen. We pray for him for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And exactly like eternity, 50 days before, she'd given her life to Jesus 50 days before that. He's just hysterically laughing for 10 minutes in our bed. It's like 9, 10 o'clock at night. We're just holding him. Anna's crying. I'm like sitting there, like, What is happening? As he has a real encounter with Jesus. I put him back 10, 15 minutes later when he's done. Back out in the living room floor, he immediately goes to sleep. No more nightmares, no more fear. I walk back into the bedroom and I looked at Anna and I said, I think our three and a half year old just got saved. (laughs) Like I think he just had a real encounter with Jesus. And I I remember thinking, gosh, a couple of things. First, before he can understand God's mission for the world, he needs to understand God's mission for himself. And that's what God was doing was reaching his heart at three and a half years old in his limited ability to understand. God's reaching his heart. The second thing was this. I thought the Lord said, this is just a down payment of what's to come in this nation. And and I remember just thinking, oh man, salvations is what we're going after. So a week later, the largest number of coordinated missionaries arrived on the ground in Myanmar in the nation's history. And... um, um, I was helping run a city called Malamyang. Um, we saw 12 to 15,000 people hear the gospel. Um, uh, we trained over 100 Christian leaders from the whole region. People were bussing from literally 20 hours away to come to some of these teachings. Um, we distributed in that city over 26,000 Scripture units. So some of them are Gospels of Mark or New Testaments, whole Bibles, SD cards which have multiple Bibles on them. We saw 179 healings in 157 different people, and we have recorded 981 first-time decisions for Jesus. I think it was closer to 1,100, but we're going on the conservative side here. But here's the crazy thing. The pastor we were working with, um, his name was Dr. Com, and Pastor Andrew, the two of them that were helping set everything up on the ground. To their knowledge, there's roughly, this city's about 250,000 people. There's roughly 2,000 believers, just over 2,000 believers in the whole city. In four days, we saw around 1,100 people give their lives to Jesus for the first time. They're getting follow-up now. He's, he's, Dr. Cosman, uh, texting me on WhatsApp just these last days going, we're setting up these village ministries to connect all the people that have given their lives to Jesus. It's a 50% increase in the body of Christ in four days. In the whole nation, we saw over 56,000 gospel seeds sown, over 4,000, I think it was closer to 4,400 salvation, first-time salvation decisions, 567 rededications in one of the cities that my friend was at, because we did these five times simultaneously. We'd all be messaging each other, praying in front of our stages, be like, Malamyang's ready to go, pray for us. And then, you know, uh, Tangji's like, Tangji's praying too, we're about to start. And all of our friends are all over in these different cities. There's this one city called Kampat where um, they had a building is the only place they could get a permit for. There were so many people that wanted to come. They're um, gathering around the windows and the outer doors. They had to send people out to preach the gospel outside the building because people couldn't get in. The, God, the Holy Spirit was moving in such wild ways. People were falling out in the street in that city. The police had to come and direct traffic around the people slain in the street that they're dragging out of the street. That's pretty cool. <laughs> It was, it was pretty wild. We, we, saw, we um, distributed over 100,000 um, scripture units, the largest Bible distribution in the nation's history, with 200,000 more currently on their way, having been printed over the last three weeks since we've been back. Um, and uh, we um, saw over 1,100 leaders trained. There was over 144 ministries that were involved globally in this ministry push to Myanmar because God is concerned with the welfare of whole nations. God is concerned with whole people groups. I want to give you a couple specific stories. This was just really fun. This is the first time that Anna and I have publicly done ministry together. I did a salvation. Uh, uh, I preached the gospel to open air. You can't really see. Here's a, a better picture of the crowd. This is just open air, we, just a park. Um and um so we uh we did a gospel uh presenta- I I shared the gospel, preached a little message, and then called forward people that wanted to give their lives to Jesus. Anna came up and prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and led us in some worship. And um we saw a thousand people over four nights make first-time decisions for Jesus. There was all these pastors, there's about eight pastors from the city who had came, and they sat front row um on this stage right right up here. Um and they, one of them, this older guy who's very well respected amongst the body of, of Christ in the city, is sitting there. And as we called forward, it's like over 90% Buddhist in the, in the crowd, right? As we called them forward, we gave them a simple gospel. Here's creation. Here's uh, the problem of sin. Here's Jesus coming. Here's him dying, resurrection. You need salvation and forgiveness of your sins. Who wants Jesus? And hundreds would get up and come forward. The pastor that was sitting up front went like this. He was like, on the first night, he was like this. (laughs) And then he came up and told us, he goes, I've never seen Buddhists publicly in front of all these other people come up and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. He goes, certainly we are in a new day in Myanmar. Okay. Um, We trained leaders. This was something we would do um, because in order to see sustained transformation, the locals have to own it. It's something we actually are learning from from South Korea, um, it, there was a local ownership that said, we will own the transformation of our nation. It won't just happen by foreigners coming in. So we're training them in that, saying, if you want to see lasting, sustained transformation, you, as the body of Christ, nationally must own it. We rolled out this big map on the fourth, uh, our, our last day of training. We rolled it out, and we asked them to adopt regions and intercede over their nation. We rolled a big map of their nation. I wish you could hear this. They're, they're in travail over their nation, just wailing and weeping and committing to God, we will reach our nation. We supplied them with literally tens of thousands of Bibles, sent them back to their village. They gave us names of people that they're going to be reaching. And the local contacts should be following up with them. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you giving out the word of God to people in your area? It's amazing what God's doing. Um, we had a time where we would wash their feet. I shared a little about this, so I won't, I won't do it again. But, man, it was wild. We had a moment where, because um, they told us, they said, it's like you're washing the wounds of our nation. We bring every single one of them. 49 years they were dominated by a military dictatorship that was wildly um, unjust. And uh, that was all they knew of leadership is domination over them. So we taught on Jesus, the servant leader who has all authority. And then we brought him forward. We said, he set an example for us that we would do this to one another. And we washed every single leader's feet. It took about an hour. And they would just weep and tell us, you're washing the wounds of our nation. We had one woman sitting every day. She wore this beautiful blue scarf. And um, um, we couldn't even finish washing her feet. She's just crying. She gets up before we can get done um, drying her feet. She grabs my friend Eric. She pulls him up onto the chair and sits down. And she says, they washed each other's feet. And she begins to wash his feet. And I was just sitting there starting to cry. And then we have all these towels, you know, but she pulls the scarf off of her neck. She wore it every day. It was beautiful. And she dried his feet with his scarf. My buddy Eric just started crying. I remember thinking, gosh, there is such a spiritual connection, because we couldn't speak, we always were speaking through translators, you know, so you can't really speak too much to them one-on-one, but there's like a direct spirit-to-spirit connection, like we're family, and we're with you, and believing that this is the Kairos moment, the season that God is going to change your nation in Jesus' name. So um, it was wild, we were giving out Bibles, I won't go into that, these are some of Many, many, many Bibles. That's a tiny bit of them, a little stack. Um, We brought in 2,000 dresses, handmade dresses from Hawaii. These ladies had this ministry. We divided them up and handed them out to all these people going, arrived, and then we're able to give all these little um, girls in orphanages a brand new handmade dress, every dress prayed over, um, and brought in and distributed, which is super fun. Um, And then And God was moving in power, you guys, like in wild power. This little girl, she was Hindu, um, nine years old. Can you guys see through this? Okay. Um, Okay. Let's move it down. Okay, this little girl, um, she uh, was Hindu. She came with a, her entire life she's had a severe speech stutter. So she comes, gets prayer. Her stutter is healed. She comes up, we have video of her. Tell us your name. And she actually spoke decent English. I was surprised. Um, But her dad, it was my favorite part, and I don't have a picture of him, he wouldn't leave us alone. He was so happy. And he kept telling her, say something, say something. And then he'd say it, and and we'd be like, wow, because she said, my name is this. I used to be Hindu, but now I believe in just Jesus. And he's like, oh, oh, right? And then we're like, yeah. And there's a lot of people still to be prayed for and stuff. So he's like, wait, wait, say something, say something. And we're like, we get it, you know, like. But he was, like, blown away by what God was doing. This is one of my favorites. This little boy 10 years old. Um, He had a giant tumor on his neck. And um, so we're praying for all these people, and he just comes forward. We're calling out different words of knowledge and having people come forward for prayer. He just comes forward because people are getting healed. And he walks up front, and there's a bunch of people up here to pray. And um, he walks up. They say, what do you need prayer for? He goes, I need prayer for this tumor through a translator. And he starts feeling around. Completely gone. He bursts into tears, just, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I've been healed." He gets up on stage in front of thousands of people. I wish you could see his eyes; they were just alive. He was like blown away. He kept feeling his neck. He's like, I "Can't believe this." He got up on stage and testified, "I had a big tumor on my neck. Jesus healed me while I was walking up here to thousands of people." I was—it was one of my favorites. We saw um, people throw away their crutches. We had a medical team with us, like MDs from the US. We had an OB doctor. We had a nurse practitioners. We had there's like eight of them on, on the team from the city we were in, and they were doing a medical clinic. They they did a, a test on this guy um, who's legally blind. Like he could read the 2020 thing right here. It's like they were like move it here. He can't read it anymore. You know? So they they read. It. They're like Ugh, yeah, you're like that would be you're considered legally blind. Um, a DTS students pray for them. They're like 18 years old. They have no idea what they're doing. Pray for him. Immediately he's healed. And they, did, they literally, the medical doctors redid the test. She came to me afterwards. She goes, oh, that was crazy. She goes, what do we need medicine for? <laughs> like, that's not how we do. But, you know, um, but she's like, literally I did the test. Five minutes later, I did it again. He has 20-20 vision. We saw deaf ears opening up um my son after giving his life to jesus a week before we decided we wanted him to be involved in some of the healing stuff so this is the third night he and i went out to the healing pit and um, just found some people um, and asked them what they needed prayer for this old man says his knee he's had pain for i don't know how long long time and um so i said zaves you're going to pray for him this uncle his knees aya, and he needs prayer and he and he literally he goes what do i do i go put your hand on it he does This is my three-and-a-half-year-old. And And he goes, what do I do? I say, you pray in Jesus' name for his his ayah to go away. He goes, Jesus, heal this uncle's ayah in Jesus' name. Amen. And I was like, amen. How does it feel? And the guy goes, and then he starts doing squats. He's like, oh. He's like, good, like trying to give Xavier a high five. Then he grabs this other guy, this guy right here. He goes, him too. (laughs) Exact same prayer, both of them are healed, and they're like, thank you! And they leave, and that was the end. Xavier looks at me, he goes, that was cool. It's like, <laughs> like, that was cool. Um, this is one of my favorites right here. This woman right here, we, there's little islands off the coast of the city that we're in, in Malamiang, and um, there are no known believers on this whole island, uh, or in the village of this island. And um, so our team went over there, this woman's a Muslim, um, and they sit down, and they start sharing. These are two of our leaders out in Kona. She just left with her husband to go plant in the Philippines, and she helps lead one of our communities called Fire and Fragrance. They sat down, they shared the gospel with this woman, they said it was the most genuine conversion they've ever seen. They said they sat there and shared the gospel of Jesus. The woman is captured, crying while they're sharing, just saying to them over and over, I've been waiting for him. I've been waiting for him. Gave her life to Jesus. This was the next day. They went back to bring her a Bible. They said her whole countenance had changed. So then we decided to pay for the transportation for people that wanted to go from the village to come on the ferry to come to the event. 30 people came from the village. 19 gave their lives to Jesus. Yes. The pastor that we were, that we were connecting with um, came to me. I, we had him so busy over four days, I was a little worried about their health. Like I was like, no, we need this, we need that. So I'm like getting because we're preaching at these churches on Sunday morning, like eight of them. I was like, I need all the names, where they are. He's like doing Bible distribution. I'm like, Pastor Andrew, I need your help. Like, and he's like doing this. He's like telling that person what to do. And then he stops. and He looks at me. He goes, I keep meaning to tell you. He goes, that team that went to the island, and he just bursts into tears. He starts crying. And, and I, I literally was taken aback. I was like, oh, he goes, my father was a pastor here. I've been a pastor here for years. We've never seen a single person open to the gospel on that island. Your team came. now there's 19 believers, and we're helping them set up a house church and distributing Bibles to all of them. Amen? Amen. God is winning, you guys. He's actually winning. And I want you guys to know this. No. My email. OK. Um, um, this, in part, is your fruit. One day we will stand before Jesus and the picture that we have is of elders and throwing crowns which represent worth at the feet of Jesus. And I've thought about this before in my life and I thought, God, when I get there, what will I, like literally the, pa- the street is paved with gold, you know? Like what will I have of value to bring before you? I want to bring you something of value. I think there's, There's two things that will be primary. This is, I think it's backed up scripturally, but I'm not going to spend the time on it. The first is our devotion to him now. You know, because in that day, there will be no more pain or sickness. There will be no more opportunity for unbelief. Every knee will bow and tongue will confess. Whether they're rejoicing or fussing about it is irrelevant. They will, because there will be no doubt he is who he says he is. But now we have the opportunity in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sickness, in the midst of our challenge to come before him and say, you are worthy. Our devotion. The second thing is be this, souls. There will be people that follow us into heaven and we'll go, he's the one I told you about. And there are different roles. There are different parts of the body. And you guys have part of this fruit. I believe that when you stand before God in heaven, that will, there will be some people of Myanmar that you've invested in through prayer, through finance, through your words of encouragement, through um, the various ways that you guys have walked with us, and they will be your fruit. I, wanna, I, I want to—I want to—I want to um, I wanna give you guys actually a slightly bigger picture. There was so much that happened. While we were out there, but I want to um, I want to give you guys just a, a slightly bigger picture of what I believe um, we're stepping into. Because I, I like genuinely, we I, I brought a word. I'm going to share it again for the third time, and I think I'll be done sharing it. But beginning of last year, I was asked um, to bring a word of what I felt the Lord saying about the next season um, for for hope, and I, I shared it, and I shared it once more when I was here this last time. And I'm going to share it again when I close up today. But I want, I want you guys to know this first. Jesus is winning. He's actually winning. My friends, many of my friends that I was with in, um, in Myanmar were just a couple months before they were there were in Pakistan where they gathered fi- over 50,000 Muslims to share the gospel with them and thousands gave their life to Jesus. Thousands in Pakistan. Signs, wonders, miracles, healings followed them. Yesterday, a bunch of my friends were in Brazil running this thing called the Send. Over 150,000 people, mostly Brazilians, gathered together in three stadiums declaring in unison, we will go for the Great Commission, we will go for Jesus, To be made famous in every corner of the earth. Thousands responded, I want to be trained and sent to the nations. Thousands, yesterday. The president of Brazil got on stage, he wasn't even supposed to be there, got up on stage and said, "Um, Brazil has no uh, no national religion, but as of today, I am a Christian. I'm pretty sure it's going to make the news. Um, But I want you guys to know this. A bunch of years ago, Lauren and Darlene Cunningham, the founders of YWAM, were given a word that 100,000 missionaries um, uh, would be sent out from America. Um, And they started a tour with this guy named Keith Green, who is an old uh, musician, gospel singer. And they started this thing, and it was wild. And right, they weren't barely going before Keith dies in a, Freak airplane accident. And we were robbed of the fullness of that word. 2005 and 6, YWAM is going through a big transition time. And Lauren and Dar are seeking the Lord about what, what does God have further. Not just for our mission, but for missions, for the global great commission to be fulfilled. Like what, what is it? They hear about this prophetic couple living in nowhere, Tacoma, Washington. So They go out. Um, because And they just simply ask the husband, um, do you guys have a word for us? He goes, I don't know. My wife's the prophetic one. <laughs> but she's been sick. She's been sick for 20 years, over 20 years at that time um, with Lyme's disease. She'll uh, be in bed for days, weeks at a time. Um, so he says, he, they, they don't know anything about YWAM either. So, but then they begin to hear like, oh, wow, this is a massive uh, missions training and sending organization. Um, Lauren and Darlene are global Christian leaders so Brian said I'll go home and ask my wife I'll get back to you tomorrow um, so he goes home he says Chris, she's in bed and he says Christy this guy Lauren and Darlene they started this thing called Youth of the Mission they asked they came here asking if we have a word for them so it's like the least we could do is ask God right she crawls out of bed and lays on her face on the floor and God shows her a giant wave and then the word was this, 200,000 missionaries would be raised up out of America and it would be a global harvest, not just coming from the West, but a global harvest from nation to nation. So Brian goes back. They have no idea that YWAM started because Lauren had an open vision in 1960 of waves of young people from every nation to every nation or that Lauren has been holding this word that he felt was robbed of him when, when Keith was, died early. So he goes, he says, there's this wave coming, a new generation student missions movement is rising up, 200,000 will be sent, I think 80 million saved, and we will see a global harvest unlike anything we've seen in the church ages. Lawrence stands up, he says, that's the word of the Lord, we will stand on this. That couple is uh, Brian and Christy Brent, who are uh, collaborators of The Send. They've helped um, pioneer many ministries um, with YWAM, but also outside of YWAM. They're responsible for um, the formation of the circuit riders that many of you guys maybe are familiar with, that circuit ride the universities of America, believing God for a new student missions movement to rise up. Um, They have a very specific word. Know this Brian has never known his wife, never known her, not sick. She's had Lyme's disease since before they met. Kids, they have four kids have never known their mom not sick. It is normal for her to spend three days and never get out of bed. That's the norm. When she would do different events or things, she would oftentimes spend days before on IVs um, rejuvenating her body so that she can do a one-day event, and then she'd pay for that sometimes for weeks back in bed. And the word to them is, when you are healed of limes. You will know it will be the sign that a new healing revival is coming to America. Two hundred thousand will be sent for the global harvest, and we will see an influx, a harvest, a global harvest that is bigger than anything we've ever seen in the church age. So last year, we have the SEND. It's in Orlando, Florida. It's the first one, the inauguration of these SEND events. And um, Brian and Christy are one of the few collaborators. So you have like a bunch of different people that help put this together. YWAM Kona, Andy Bird's kind of the guy that's helping. And then you've got Lou Engle, and you've got these different, there's like six of them that are um, collaborators from different well-established ministries. who have all come together, said it's not about our name or us. Let's come together and see God raise up a missions movement, a global missions movement, unlike anything we've ever seen in the history of the church age. And together. So Brian is one of those collaborators, right? They're standing backstage, and him and a friend of his um, are talking together. We're here with the who's who of Western Christianity, believing, contending, and praying for God to move in our nation. He says this, who would we want to pray for our families, to pray for our wives, both of them, had wives that had serious health issues. And they just asked the Lord really quick, and immediately into their mind came Bill Johnson, and he was there. And so they just literally walked over to him backstage, said, Hey, Bill, like, uh, you know, da-da-da-da-da, here's the story. My wife's had Lyme's disease for, like, now it's been over 35 years. Will you pray for her healing we believe there will be a new Catherine Coleman anointing poured out and that there will be a healing revival that sweeps across our nation that impacts the world. So Bill's like, as only Bill can, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, I'd love to pray, <laughs> you know, and like walks over. He, put, he didn't even touch her. christys the Brents are friends. They've like prophetically pioneered and fought for many of us. They lived in Kona for a number of years. Um, Then they took a whole group of our friends, thanks a lot, to California, started the Circuit Riders, still deeply connected. They come teach in our schools in Kona all the time. Bill comes over, puts his hands over Christy. She said she felt tangible compassion, like the compassion of God swept over her. And then we heard nothing for six months. But what happened in that moment is God healed her. The next morning she got up, she goes, this is so strange how much energy I have after being backstage for 12 hours. So she got up and she jogged around the swimming pool of her hotel, went back into her room a bit scared, like, I will pay severely for that. Nothing. Six months later, they shared for the first time publicly because they didn't want to prematurely share the testimony. She's been completely healed. Brian came up in Kona to her corporate evening, said, guys, She's been healed. He said, I'm having to re-get to know my wife. I've never known her, not sick. We went to a baseball game for the first time in our marriage. God is pouring out something that is absolutely phenomenal. It is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it. And it's here. It's here. You, I, some of us have heard the chatter online. Decades ago, Bob Jones said, watch for, the, watch for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. When they do, it'll look for the sign. It'll bring revival. And the stadiums of Kansas City will be filled with worshipers. So much so that it'll overflow into the parking lots. Which is a promise we're holding on to because the next send, which was planned, for la- planned last year before the football season even started, is this year in Chiefs Stadium, Kansas City. I think, I think God's like, try, he's been trying to get the attention of his church to say, be fully awake. Be fully awake. Do you perceive what I'm doing? Will you believe me? I want you to believe me. I think probably that the most radical, miraculous, unprecedented, even angelic perhaps, moment of history was when Jesus Christ incarnated, came to life, lived his life, died. It says every single person that came to him for healing was healed. (laughs) Lived, died, rose again. It is littered with the angelic, littered with the miraculous, littered with the fulfillment of prophecy. It is, it is the most wild moment in history. And yet, Jesus says during his ministry, over and over and over and over, those who have eyes to see, let them see. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, we look back and our vision is 2020. But in the midst of it, so many couldn't see it. They were blind and they were deaf. And I'm here today telling you guys, we are standing in one of the most wild, I believe historic moments of revival that we have ever seen in the history of the church age. And and I I, want to say this to you guys in complete, complete love. Do not miss it. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Do not let the enemy discourage you or fill you with unbelief. We've got to be violent against those things. Discouragement and unbelief will blind us from the truth, the reality of what God is doing around us. There was a violence that that was putting me with the first email I got from Rock Church, from Pastor John, about Somi. It was weird. It's like violence came into me, and the prayer that came out was, it was not, it was like, it was edgy. (laughs) I felt like what I was supposed to do was like, and I prayed it so many times internally, But I'll share, I might get in trouble, but I felt like um, the Lord said, you damn cancer. And I've, I haven't had, like, violent prayers toward it. So I, it's been like this. You will bow to Jesus. You will be found powerless, cancer. And I, I believe, and I know it's dangerous at this moment to even... I believe we're witnessing miracles. Amen. I just texted Pastor John this morning. I said, what's the update? He, he wrote me back. He says... Um, It's so great. He goes, you know, we're not completely out of the woods, but her white blood cell count continues to drop, which is a good thing. That's what we need. Um, She says, Jesus has been speaking to Somi about some profound, this is this morning, some profound things about healing and revival in the DMV. And I went, huh. Yeah, like a healing revival that comes to America, I am aware. But can I believe, can I believe that it would come from the most unlikely minority woman? Can I believe that God would use the most unlikely or the most, because he'll get the most glory? And will the church be found believing? Be, or will we be found s- securing ourselves, going? I knew it wasn't really going to happen. Or you know, I knew. No, we were supposed to break out of that and be. Th- the kingdom is forcefully advancing, and the violent take it by force. Being a Christian is not a tame house pet type of thing. We're we're a, we are lions who've been trained to be house cats. And I think God's going, Roar again. Roar again. Communication to Somi from the Lord. Uh, the communication is from the Lord because some of the things she heard from Jesus are things she could not have known. Basically, Somi's situation and someone else's is not just about two or three people being very sick. It's about revival. <laughs> That's the testimony from Pastor, Pastor John, this morning. Whether we see it or not, whether we hear it or not, does not change the fact. There's a song, I love it, it says this. One day when the skies roll back on us, some rejoice and others fuss, because every knee must bow and tongue confess that the Son of God, He's forever blessed. His is the kingdom and we're the guest. So put your voice up to the test and sing, Come, Lord, soon. Whether we are ones who have eyes to see and ears to hear is irrelevant in the fact that Jesus is winning and that he is going to win completely, that death will literally be put under his feet, that he will literally come back from the sky. But I'm convinced that God is looking for a bride who is fully awake. Who sees what he's doing and puts our faith up to the test. Come Lord Jesus even through my life. Come Lord Jesus in my workplace. Come Lord Jesus in my home where I'm they with my kids. Come, Lord Jesus. Let the glory of the Lord cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. I will be one recklessly found, believing you, in spite of circumstances around me, regardless of what I see the enemy doing or the darkness that's around. He can light it up. I know he can. And I believe we are on the edge of seeing a revival that will touch this nation again in a wild way, but it will touch the nations of the earth. Iran has one of the fastest growing churches on the planet right now with my generation that are tired of Islam. Pakistan, I saw the photos from my friends while I was in Myanmar. They're like, check it out. We did this open-air event, and 50,000 came, Muslims. And thousands gave their lives to Jesus, publicly in front of all their other Muslim friends. I was like, I thought they didn't do that. I thought they'd get kicked out of their families or killed. Or It is a new day we're living in. In Myanmar, we keep going in, and they keep going, I can't believe we got the permits. And I'm like, we spent a lot of money on that. Like, You didn't think we were going to get it? They're like, it's a miracle. It's a miracle because they don't even know that it's possible. All they've lived under is severe dictatorship and persecution. I didn't know that Buddhists would come forward when you call them and give their lives to Jesus. We'd never seen it before. I didn't know that that island that's been so hostile, 20-minute ferry ride off the coast I didn't know. It's always been hostile. I had no idea 19 of them would be saved the day that you guys leave, and now they're starting a house church there. Truly, this is our main contact looked at me at the end. We are doing a finance deal. It's my favorite meeting, doing the books. After we're all done, I was exhausted. And, um, and uh, we're doing the finance and he looks at me, 72 years old. 72 years old, he looks at me, he goes, Truly, this is a new day for our city. And for, our, and for our nation. I looked at him and I said, It is, it is, Dr. Kahn. You're right. God, help me have eyes to see it. We cannot forget. Oh, I want to I give you this one last time, okay? I think it'll be the last time. I don't know why. I literally forget about it, and then I come back here, and the Lord reminds me, of it. just this morning, I was literally looking it up in the back of church. It's It like, struck me, like, tell them again. A year ago, 13 months ago, um, I shared this. Um, always be prepared for God's purposes through disciplined prayer. This is hope. Don't, this isn't anybody else. So don't worry about what other people or churches are doing. Through disciplined prayer, always be ready for God's purposes through disciplined prayer, purity, and fighting to stay encouraged. I believe this year, that was 2019, uh, we're going to see doors beginning to open for the gospel like has never been seen in our lifetime. It will continue to open more and more through the first half of the 2020s. And it will be accompanied by historic world events, really exciting things and some not so exciting, maybe a little scarier. But... They will shape the course of this century. I believe our children and their children will look at the last quarter of the first quarter of this century, meaning 2019 to 2025. It's the last quarter of that 25 years. Does that make sense? Um, uh, And it will be easy for them, our children, to see that these years set in action many of the unfolding events of the 21st century I believe this is a year that we go from seeing like light in the crack of the door to seeing the door truly starting to open. So what do we do? Always be prepared for his purposes through disciplined prayer, disciplined purity, and fighting to stay encouraged. Discouragement will blind you. I think the Lord just wants to, I think there's special ones of you today that God's going, I want to encourage you in spite of the hardships in your family, in spite of the sickness that you face, in spite of the chronic illness or whatever it may be, the stress or the anxiety that keeps fighting me, that I, God wants to bring this special encouragement, this shield of faith around your heart that guards you from the flaming arrows of the evil one. that's it i am like surging i feel like recently but this morning i got up and i was just all my friends everybody's at the send you know in brazil and they're showing these little video clips i was like my god they're so hungry for jesus it was wild there's a moment we started pouring brazilians hate the rain They don't like being out in the rain. (laughs) It's pouring, and one of my buddies is under. He's in like a VIP room, so he's (laughs) inside. But he's taking a video of it, and the roar for Jesus as the rain got more and more just got louder and louder, and it just gave me the chills. I was like, man, they're hungry. They believe that God can use even them. 150,000 of them unified with their feet up in the air, their shoes up in the air and said, I will go. Change the world. If our, our hearts are discouraged, we won't have the courage to step out. Discouragement is to pull the courage out of something. We need courage for this time and what God is doing in the earth whatever it takes stay encouraged stay away from sin it will blind you fight for purity stay disciplined in prayer revival's coming to DMV area (laughs) revival's coming to New York just there last weekend guy gave Anna and I this word. Um, he's this prophetic guy, and he just called us out, and he's like, it was because it was February 2nd, 2020, 0202, 2020, and he goes, double, double, because I kept thinking of in and out I'm like, that's my homeland. the <laughs> <laughs> harvest is going to double for you, and then it's going to continue to multiply. It's not just for me. The harvest is for Jesus, and the church is going to see it. So for those of you that have eyes to see and ears to hear. Hearts to believe and take courage. It's coming. Through words. I'm, I am seeing the fulfillment of words in my own life. I've been holding on to literally for over a decade. Which maybe, some of you have been a lot longer than that. Ten years feels long for me. Ten years ago I met Anna. China. Just over ten years ago. Feels like a long time. This, this, it is a time the words of the Lord fulfilled. His word does not come back void. It does not fall to the ground void. It accomplishes the purposes that they set out to do. So we're gonna pray. And I want you to just stand together. And if you um let's stand, and um, I'm gonna pray for us and then um appa's going to come up and give a benediction (laughs) and um but if you are i actually i really believe god wants to like um he wants to touch some of you with this encouragement that is supernatural and it may come in all kinds of different ways there may be it may be that your encouragement comes because finally god releases your healing to you i just i'm on like i just came three weeks ago i just was Every day, the healing was insane. If he does it. Does it? In Myanmar does it in America. <laughs> but there is a there is an encouragement that God wants to build your heart up with, that you would be a, that we would be a bride, fully equipped and prepared, ready, eyes wide open, burning going, God, what are you doing? I want it. Open my eyes to see. I believe you. God, we believe you that you're bringing a new healing revival to America that will baffle doctors and scientists alike, that they'll be baffled by God, the great physician. We believe you, God, that there is a revival of missionary sending coming to America not just in traditional missionary ways, but that there is a revival of sent ones being come and they'll be sent to every category and every sphere of society and every nation of the earth. And I believe you this morning that you have encouragement. There are hearts that are being healed even right now from a, a a knife of unbelief of discouragement that's wounded you. God come, I ask, come touch your people. Come, Lord Jesus. If there's a few of you that you're just burning, you're like, I need this encouragement, I I don't know how much we're allowed to do. I don't know what time you guys even stop. But I think maybe there's just a few of you that I want to pray for. And you're like, I am, I want God to just show up in my life. I want to remember. I want, the, I want prophetic, swirly activity in my life where I'm like, whoa, God, <laughs> what's happening here? Not just, not just like, oh yeah, everyone in here wants that. That's great. But maybe there's a few of you that you're like, I need this. I'm burning for it. Can you just come forward? Yeah. I'm just going to pray for those of you. It is. I want to assure you of this. His promises do not fall to the ground, boy. They accomplish the purpose. They set out to do. His word is law. No enemy can hear. So as we do just a little bit of worship, Jesus, we invite you into the broken places. invite you into the broken places of our lives right now.